Good morning. It is so lovely to be here with you. Thank you for having me. So as Archie said, my name is Jemima, um, and thanks for having me. So on June 22nd, 1948, the HMT Empire Windrush arrived at Tilbury Docks in Essex, England. And on the ship was the first large wave of immigrants from the Caribbean who were invited to migrate to the UK to address the post-war labor shortages and to help rebuild this country. The arrival of the Windrush marked a significant moment in British history and it had a profound impact on the demographic, social and cultural landscape of the UK. The Windrush generation made significant contributions to various sectors within British society, including healthcare and transportation, public services, and so much more. They played an essential role in building post-war Britain, and they helped to shape modern British diversity. So this morning, I want to speak to you all about worship and diversity. Our reading is from Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2 to 22, and it reads, For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God and not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that you who were formerly Gentiles by birth, called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and were foreigners to the covenants of his promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far and to you who were nearby. For, though, for through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit." Consequently, you are no longer foreigners or strangers, but fellow citizens of God's people and members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. 
1995, I arrived at Heathrow Airport, London, at the age of nine from Ghana, West Africa. I was a foreigner and a stranger in this place. I couldn't speak a word of English. And I remember refusing to go to school. I couldn't bring myself to do it. I remember sitting in my classroom amongst my classmates, completely lost in a daze, lost in these, the words, the fog of things that made no sense to me. I felt isolated and different amongst my peers. Well, that was until I met Aliak um, and Simone. And Aliak was Armenian and Simone was British Jamaican. And although it was obvious that we had different heritage, these two girls didn't see me as different from themselves. They saw me as Jemima, the new girl. And they wanted to get to know me. They wanted to make me their friend. And that was the first thing that they did. They brought me near. Similarly, in Ephesians 2, Paul says that you who were Gentiles, meaning you who were different, you who were far away, now have been brought near through Christ Jesus. In verse 10, it says that we have all been saved, not by our good works, but in order that we may do good works. And the first good work that Paul addresses in Ephesians 2 is that we are to draw others near to us, is that we are to be united in our diversity. In today's culture, conversations around diversity and racial justice can be challenging. And if I'm really honest with you, I don't often know what the right thing to say is. I find that just saying the word diversity has the potential to create an awkwardness in the atmosphere. But that is not what I read here. Paul highlights that diversity in the church is a necessary and good thing. In fact, he says that once we know Jesus, it is the first good work. The thing is, there is a historical division when it comes to racial justice. We approach issues of diversity from different experiences, and that informs our thinkings and our beliefs and our reality. That means that when we come together with those who have different experiences from our own, it can cause frustration and sometimes even conflict. We start to think, if this is my reality, how can it not be your reality? Division is a natural consequence of misunderstanding, and we know that distance creates ambiguity. But Jesus is the starting point for addressing the confusion. Nothing makes sense outside of Jesus. And if we refuse to acknowledge that Jesus is our point of reference for reality, then we start to mimic culture. Now, sometimes we do it without even realizing it, and before we know it, we have a church that reflects the world rather than a world that reflects the church. Sometimes when we talk about racial reconciliation, we often allow the world to tell us how to deal with it. 
But Jesus shows us the blueprint of how we can bring about reconciliation surrounding issues of injustice using kingdom commands, bringing people together and choosing to love each other. In Ephesians 2 verse 13, it says, but now, but now in Christ Jesus, who once you once were far away, but have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Paul says, but now, even though you may have experienced difficulty in your past, there is still hope for the future. He says, but now, because of the cross of Jesus, we have been brought together. But now, Jesus has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier. But now, because of him, we can come together as one and worship him. Being a diverse body of worshipers is a kingdom value, and it is our first good work. Secondly, Jesus is the chief cornerstone. The other day I was chatting to my friend Chibundu, um, and Chibundu has been coming to HTB since September. Um, and I said, so you know, what is it about this church? Why do you like it? I know why I like it. Why do you like it? And she said, she's so used to being in environments where everyone sort of gathers around the same thing. So whether it's their interests, their hobbies, their stage in life, their, their ethnic group, whatever it is. But she said, when she came to HTV, she remembered that God came for all people. And here she saw a diverse body of people all gathered around the person of Jesus. In verse 19 to 20, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. Paul demands here that we gather around the person of Jesus, that we recognize that our primary identity marker is that we are all now one in Christ, that he is our chief cornerstone. And from him, we work outwards and build everything else. See, I think over time, it's easy to um, identify ourselves with our physical markers, and we just can't seem to get away from what divides us. And I think Paul knew that. I think that's why he tells us that we are no longer foreigners and strangers, but that in fact, that we are all God's people and members of his household. Our identity in Christ has to be our most prominent identity marker. Our diversity is crucial in our worship, but Jesus is the object of our worship. And God has made each and every one of us in his image beautifully diverse, reflecting all the different aspects of his nature. You know, there is a part of God that Lashomo reflects that I don't reflect. There's a part of God that Margot reflects that I don't. There's a part of God that Sarah reflects that I don't reflect. 
And there is a part of God that I reflect that no one else does. That is the beauty of diversity in worship. And even more so, God is present in it. And through it, we are able to show a glimpse of God to this world. So lastly, together, we are the dwelling place of the Spirit of God. Verse 21 to 22 says, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. I love that term, dwelling place. And and that phrase, to dwell, it means to permanently live. So again, verse 22, And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling place in which God lives by his spirit. God wants to dwell in us. He wants to dwell with us permanently. It says that he wants to build us up in such a way that he can live in us by his spirit. But get this, yes, God lives in each and every one of us individually. But when we come together as a collective body of Christians, the church, the Holy Spirit is able to dwell in us. The Spirit of God is able to uniquely manifest in our midst when we join together in Him. And as the verse says, the Holy Spirit then empowers us to be able to proclaim the gospel to this world, to tell the world about God's love and his truth and his justice. All throughout the New Testament, Jesus shows this deep, rich, and intimate relationship that he has with the Father. But what is so astounding about the letter to the Ephesians is that Paul commands that we have that same relationship with God and with each other. Worshiping together, therefore, is not only a direct command from the pages of the Bible, but it is a legitimate identifier of a Christ follower. The thing is, something happens when we come together, when God's people dwell together. That is where God chooses to live and something powerful, powerful enough to impact communities, to change policies and laws and governments, even hearts and minds. There is power in our collective worship. And the Bible tells us that when we come together, that is where God chooses to live and to make his presence known permanently to the world. Our world is full of disunity, the ongoing racial divide, gender inequality, political divides, divisions in our own families and maybe even in our own homes. But disunity is not an option for us. When we choose to worship together, embracing all of our diversity, we tell others the gospel message. We are able to point people to Jesus. And at a time where culture is moving powerfully, the Bible says that, in fact, we are equipped to influence culture. And the most powerful way that we can do that is when we come together 
in all our diversity and worship him. Culture pulls us in so many different directions and it can cause for us to lose sight of God's will. It can even cause for us to sometimes feel trapped and pressured to conform. But there is freedom in kingdom culture where there is unity in purpose and diversity in persons. So earlier, um, we talked about the Windrush and Archie mentioned that June 25th marked the 25th anniversary of the Windrush generation arriving here in the UK. The Windrush represents a historical event and a generation of people who have left a lasting impact, influencing culture, society, and even the wider ongoing and very necessary discussions around migration and diversity. The Windrush generation gave so much of themselves. And because of that, we are able to stand in that legacy, to stand in that gift. And I believe that we now are in a historical moment. We, this body of diverse worshipers, have the ability to influence culture and society. The Bible says that we are a peculiar people, that we are set apart by our distinctiveness, that we are called to be counter-cultural, setting an example of how we can be united in our diversity, even in a broken world. The unity that we reflect when we worship together is one that says our non-negotiable is this, that we are united around the truth of who Christ is, and that is our greatest witness. Matthew 12, 25 says, a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. And so we choose to stand together and to worship God. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if you are able, please do stand with me.